going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast where we talk all things movies. My name is Rivervilli, and I'm your resident host of Legit Cool, where we analyze, critique, recap, and review film. Today, I'm going to be talking about Don't Look Up. We're going to walk through this film from beginning to end and figure out what worked, what didn't work, and what my overall rank is. So Don't Look Up is a movie directed by Adam McKay and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Hamish Patel, Melanie Linsky, Michael Chiklis, Thomas Sisley, Paul Guilfoyle, and Robert Joy. Uh, this is a very stacked cast and probably arguably the most expensive cast of 2021. Um, and it hasn't really done well in its box office. It did have a budget of $75 million and only made... I think 780 something thousand so a little shy of a million dollars which is you know way below its uh, initial budget however it seems to have made it up by having uh, groundbreaking records in Netflix as of today well let's say as of the week of 27th of December to January 2nd it has 500 and uh, sorry, 500, 152.29 million hours watched globally. So it sits in the top three alongside Bird Box and Red Notice. God knows why Red Notice is there. <laughs> no, that's not a shade on Red Notice, trust me. I mean, it's kind of enjoyable, but not a very good film. Anyway, I digress. Um, so they're doing really well on Netflix. And I'm not sure how the... Uh, profits are made on Netflix. I have no idea how their financial structure works, but um, director Adam McKay seems to be super happy about this, and so should so he should. Um, and if it keeps up this track record, they could easily take the number one spot away from Bird Box. So this is a really good win for Adam McKay, and good on him because he's never actually done a film on Netflix before. All his films have always been produced by major producing companies. Um, but this is his first one, and so um, I'm pretty happy happy for him. And, uh, yeah, I would say this movie, this movie is good. It's very enjoyable. It's not my favorite Adam McKay movie. Um, I think my favorite film from him is still The Big Short. And if you're very familiar with that film, you will be familiar with his directorial style in this movie, Don't Look Up. So let's talk about the story for a little bit. This, um, the story is, it's, it's pretty simple. It's about two astronomy, stu- well, they're not both students. Um, it's about, let's just talk about Kate Dibiaski, which is played by um, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, it's about her being an astronomy grad student. She's in her PhD. And she discovers a comet that's orbiting within their solar system. And although the comet is, it seems to be an extraordinary discovery in amongst that whole uh, community of astronomy, I suppose, um, she presents this information to Leo's character, um, Dr. Randall Mindy, who is a professor of this area. And everybody's sort of celebrating. Um, It seems to be a big deal. Um, But they only discover a little bit later that it's actually on a direct collision towards Earth. So much so that their mathematical calculations predict it to be 90 
I think he says like 98.7% um, uh, accuracy or something like that. Or anyway, so it's something like that. It's, it's highly likely <laughs> that it's it's going to hit Earth. Um, so that extraordinary surprise of discovering a comet turns out to be a devastating surprise. So they bring this information to the world, even to the likes of the U.S. president, which is played by Meryl Streep, only to be surprised by the fact that no one really cares. Uh, it seems that a planet killer the size of Mount Everest is just an inconvenient fact for the world. And with only six months left until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media obsessed public before it's too late proves shockingly ironic and comical uh so what will it take for the world to just look up so you know the premise is a fascinating premise and a lot of people uh have their own like slight interpretations that are different from each other but i think the most popular one that i've seen of how people are interpreting this uh satire um, a lot of people are saying that it's very much a film about global warming, which, even though I can see what they're talking about, um, I would, I, I would actually say that this film is more about how the world deals with um, information and how we share information around the world and whether that information has life-threatening impacts, such as this, a comet hitting Earth, or whether it's just um, viral news. The film goes out of its way to really underscore how we receive and share information. So, um, I was a little bit late to the party in seeing the film. I mean, I did see this about two weeks ago, so this is not fresh in my mind, let's say, because usually when I do uh, reviews for films, I review it straight after, like maybe the next day or... Or maybe even on the day that I see the film, but it's been a little tricky and a little bit challenging lately because the weather here in Sydney is pretty damn crazy, um, and I don't have the best ventilation. <laughs> uh, ventilation. I don't have the best uh, aircon systems here. I have a fan, and that's about it. But um, so it's it's a little difficult for me to record when it's just blazing hot. Um, I get too distracted. Um, but anyway, I'm here two weeks later after seeing the film and you know at first I was a little hesitant to see this movie because it seems to have uh, quite a divide down its reception and I can probably understand why. I haven't read a lot of the popular reviews but of the negative reviews that I've read they seem to have a criticism over it being overly sensitive or sorry not overly sensitive but overly insensitive considering the world that we currently live at the moment because um, apart from people seeing this film as a satire for global warming or a a sort of metaphor or an analogy for global warming a lot of people are saying that this is also a satire and a metaphor for uh, the global pandemic right now, COVID-19. Uh, so I can see both sides of the story. And yeah, like I said, I was a little bit hesitant getting into this, but um, I was actually surprised by what Adam McKay does, which, you know, come to think of it, I shouldn't be too surprised because I think Adam McKay is a great director. I think he's got good vision. He's got good foresight of how the film should end. 
Um, and I really loved The Big Short. I think The Big Short was one of the best films of that year. And he has this kind of style of directing which is pretty unique, I'd say. And it's unique in the sense of the way he edits, cuts, and moves the camera from one character to another. There's a lot of intimacy behind his uh, camera work. There's a lot of, um, you could say, intimacy in his editing as well. Uh, but, and I think The Big Short is probably the best representation of his skill set between drama or balancing drama and comedy. Like, he's, he was put on the map by movies such as Anchorman and Step Brothers. He was really put on the map, and he's a funny director. Very, very funny director. And I think for the most part, people would say that Anchorman is one of the best comedies of all time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but I can see why people would. And, uh, you know, up until that point, no, no one has ever really seen Adam McKay do anything a bit more serious. And not until he got to the movie The Big Short, which is, if, you know, anybody that's seen The Big Short would know um, what I'm talking about. Uh, no, know what I'm talking about. Know what the story is about. But he, he, he definitely has talent and skill around balancing drama and comedy which is something that i hugely appreciated from the big short and so when i like coming into the, to don't look up the controversy and the backlash that it's receiving seems to be around the fact that it's too on the nose for the kind of pandemic that we're living through right now so i see both sides of the stories but for me this movie is purely like what i was saying before it's purely about how we share information and how we deal with that type of information um yeah so overall like what did i think about the film i think the film is very enjoyable i think there's a lot of lessons to take away whether that's real life lessons or just uh ideological lessons or how we kind of believe and value certain ideologies um, I, I think the characters in this film, they all contributed to the story quite well. There are some characters that probably didn't need to be in the film. Maybe characters such as Mark Rylance's character being the tech guru. He's supposed to be, uh, like a representation of say Elon Musk and, uh, Jack Dorsey or, uh, um, what's that Facebook guy's name? Mark Zuckerberg, you know he's he's supposed to be sort of a a, a mixed bag between those kind of tech nerds and tech gurus. Um, I didn't think his character was super strong. I, I thought his character was actually the weakest in this film, and uh, only because like it's it didn't seem entirely necessary for him to have in here. Like I know he plays as a plot device throughout the film, but it just. It just seemed to detach from realism the fact that he was going to be the one to really push forward this idea of how we're going to survive this comet um, and completely influencing and sort of vetoing anybody else's decision, especially the likes of the US president um, and even the general or whatever. Um, so what, what he does in this film, it's, um, it's, it's kind of weak for the most part. But because this, this whole movie was really just... It could have just stuck with its original premise, which is that, that two scientists taking the story of 
a comet uh, directly impacting Earth and just obliterating Earth. They could have stuck with that premise um, and not sort of overcomplicate the premise by trying to bring in someone like a tech guru. And I think Mark Rylance is a great actor, and but he's he's doing these kind of character traits that you, you see too often in most of the films that he's in. Um, very soft, very quirky, and very sort of ambiguous. And um, yeah, just we've we've seen Mark Rylance do this quite a lot, but um, I don't think it was really all that necessary. It was a little bit underwhelming. Uh, whereas the rest of the characters, you know, um, the characters that were played by like Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, uh, even Ariana Grande, <laughs> like she was actually kind of good in this, uh, but she was kind of taking the piss of herself, which is. Uh, pretty ironic and funny at the same time. Uh, Tyler Perry, uh, Tyler Perry, sorry, and Kate Blanchett. I mean, these guys were absolutely amazing. They, they were big standouts for me. Not so much Tyler Perry. I think Tyler Perry just did a good complimentary co-host to Kate Blanchett playing the other host of the um, overly comical uh, news channel called The Daily Rip. Um, so th- there's a lot of great characters in this. And all of them sort of put in top-notch performances. And this movie is actually really carried by Leo and Jennifer. They do a great job at balancing out their uh, their character traits, like their strengths and weaknesses that sort of supplement each other. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character is, is a person that's very much uh, high on anxiety when it comes to this comet hitting Earth. She seems to be the one that um, hits it. Like this type of information hits emotionally deep with her, uh, so much to the point that she's she explodes every time she goes to talk about this information, thinking that people are just dismissing her as kind of a, a nutcase or a, or a kooky uh, scientist. Even her boyfriend, her boyfriend uh, completely believes her in the beginning, but then opts out for uh, uh, I guess opts out for uh, popularity. Let's say. Because, um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence's character becomes a meme after exploding on um, national television. And her boyfriend seems like he doesn't want anything to do with this, even though he believes that the comet's going to hit Earth. Um, He doesn't want anything to do with this kooky, um, kooky of a girlfriend. Uh, And he's a reporter himself, and he ends up just uh, succumbing to his temptation of uh, being a all-star reporter let's say (laughs) which is pretty it's a very vindictive way of um portraying such relationships and characters but it's very real at the same time and um so jennifer lawrence you know she's she's a scientist but also a very heavily emotional person and whereas with leo's character he's he's more He's more like the nerd that crunches numbers in the in the corner kind of thing. Um, he doesn't really express his emotions so much. He's he's got a little bit of ADHD. He suffers from um, depression and anxiety, and he doesn't cope when he's under sort of public pressure, and especially when he has to um, announce such um, threatening information to the world. He does it in a way that is calm. But it's not really collective. Um, he's just trying to do his best to uh, let his qualifications speak for itself when he provides this information. So he's a little bit more clinical compared to Jennifer. Jennifer's like way more hot-headed and way more emotional when she's trying.
trying to tell the world this information. Um, so they do a great job at sort of balancing each other out. Um, they're very likable. Um, they're, even though they're not sort of complex guides throughout the chaos, um, even though they're very, very likable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's an enjoyable film. I really, really like it. But there are some scenes that didn't really need to be in this. This movie's probably 15, 20 minutes too long. Uh, they really hit it home. They really hit their message home when we realize how the world is coping with this information. You know, this the world sort of takes on this, this information, but in a way overly expresses how they undermine this, uh, this threat. It doesn't seem so real until they visually see what's happening in the sky. Um, and the world freaks out. You know, some people that take it very, very seriously have um, get into moments where they start looting, they start destroying property, um, which is a portion of society that would obviously clear, clearly uh, express the way they feel in this way in real life. Um, and then there are other parts of the world who just kind of are more fixated on very materialistic news such as famous people breaking up <laughs> and um, uh, memes and, and videos and everything that we see on social media a lot of a lot of our, our world is, is pretty much obsessed with what we see on social media and this is what Adam McKay does really well he he brings he brings everything that we're currently dealing with in the world right now and shows us that we focus on the most stupid materialistic things without actually realizing the facts. And, and a lot of this is probably an expression of how we deal with real-world facts and science in this day and age. And I think this is the angle that a lot of people like to take with the pandemic because there's a lot of, like, quote-unquote anti-science people and pro-science people. Um, this whole kind of debate of, like, who's right and who's wrong and, and why you shouldn't be listening to... Um, these kooks who are not a part of like the general media narrative and blah 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 like a lot of that is really shown really well in this but the movie gets to sort of the mid part of this film like it gets to the mid part and it's it's so chunky that he keeps Adam McKay keeps repeating the same thing over and over and over again and, it, and it's to a point where you're like okay well you've done this multiple times now like and you're not really, you're not really uh, progressing with the story forward. Um, so there's a lot of things that just kind of overstay its welcome, and um, especially with the montages of videos and like livestock footage and uh, memes and you know the virality of videos and all that type of stuff. Like a, a lot of it is quickly cut and quickly edited in in moments throughout the film where it just seems more distracting than relevant to the story. Um, there's definitely moments where it is super relevant to the story and it, and it sort of picks up a lot of energy and you're like, okay, cool. This is, this is impending threat and we kind of need to do something about this. But the only thing that I really appreciate about these kind of quick cut clips is the fact that, um, it's showing that the world is still distracted by social media and stupid things. Um, even in the monks, like even in the face of danger, people are still willing to sort of bury, 
all of that under the rug and just continue with their mobile phone obsessed lives. Um, and so it does a great job at doing that. And not everything completely works in this film. Um, but by the time we get to the end of the film, Adam McKay really sticks the landing. And I think what I do appreciate about this film is the ambition, ambitious attitude towards bringing such a big idea and a big concept that is both frightening and pretty hilarious. And the comedy that is in this film, it's it's one of those it's one of those comedies where you want to laugh out loud, but you know you're going to be the awkward person that that laughs at something serious. <laughs> um, I definitely found it funny. It's not it's not as funny as his previous film, Big Short, which is what I really like. Um, and it's definitely not like Step Brothers and Anchorman because those are straight up slapstick comedies. This is more about taking the piss while also not taking the piss at something so real and serious, whether it be global warming or pandemic or in my eyes it's just how we ridiculously deal with information um of true facts <laughs> so it's funny in that sense but i can see how people will get quite triggered by um this whole idea being a triggering event i suppose um but I would highly recommend this film for anybody who likes Adam McKay films, such as The Big Short and The Vice. Um, Vice is quite good, but I think The Big Short is still better. Um, I've spoken too much about The Big Short already. Maybe I should review that as well. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say that this is something that you should definitely watch. And don't don't be in a rush to see it. I'm pretty sure it's going to stay on Netflix for quite a while, considering it's one of the most viewed films of all time on Netflix. Um, and you know what it really comes down to is that it's this movie sort of it, it's really it's really about how we fail to take personal responsibility uh, this might be in the relationships or political stage or the expertise of scientists constantly being undermined and how the truth in the news is pretty morbid there's perhaps too much going on um, and not a lot of it works, but Adam McKay really sticks the landing beautifully. When we get to the end of the film, there's there's this really beautiful human moment um, in amongst uh, the our, our main cast. You know, that's Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, Rob Morgan, um, Timothy Chalamet, who's not really a part of the main cast, but he ends up becoming a part of the main cast just by virtue of being a relationship with Jennifer's character um, and also within this group of people is uh, Melanie Linsky who's the wife of Leo um, and I think that's about it I'm probably missing somebody anyway this sort of the group of people that we're that we go on a journey throughout this whole film at the end they're sitting around a dinner table and they have this beautiful humanistic moment where they're holding hands and they're spending their last moments together sharing a meal one of the most like symbolic ways to um symbolize friendship and relationship and in this case it's probably like their family up to this point and it's such a beautiful moment that they have um while the whole world is is literally about to explode 
everybody is all dealing with it in somewhat chaotic ways, stressful ways. Some people are, are drowning their sorrows and like in alcohol. And we see that expressed by Kate Blanchett's character and Tyler Perry. Others are like still looting. Some people are like getting on their knees, bowing down to the comet. Whereas our main cast are sitting around a table, holding hands, sharing a meal together. And and this moment is done so damn well that there's 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 a glimpse of let's say hope and especially especially for people who are religious or have some kind of belief system in something beyond our lives itself they have this moment where they're holding hands and they say grace and it's just so sincere and it's so captivating and it's this is kind of the start of this really unexpected emotional part of the film that i i was caught off guard and i was like super surprised um they do this grace and then they start talking trying to enjoy their last moments and as they're doing this their house starts to shake because they realize that the comet is pretty much here now it's it's penetrated the atmosphere and there's a rippling effect across the planet and the rumbles sort of get more intense and as they get more intense um adam mckay does this great job at pausing at the right times but not so much completely pausing but slowing down the shots at our main characters and showing the emotion behind their eyes without them crying it was actually pretty magnificent to watch and as this is slowly happening like it gets quite emotional because <laughs> it's quite scary it's 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 a very fearful way of realizing that this is the end of humanity this is the end of human beings and the world and it was done it was done in such a way that it wasn't like a big dramatic piece or anything like in the sense of having um a massive orchestra in the background or anything there was like the soft um music playing I, i can't remember what it was but it was only maybe a couple of keys in, in the notes or something. But it caressed this scene in a way that made you feel that this is actually the end. It was such a massive realization that I wasn't expecting to feel that. And the actors did very little. They were very subtle in their delivery. But enough to impact me and go, holy crap. And I think I found myself at some tears at the end. I was like, this is because it's I really felt scared for the fact that the world um yeah the world just perished it's like an existential moment you know and for a director to do something like that in a film like this is to me the best landing that you could have for such a story um so it's not a happy ending the world literally dies and the world explodes um there is a mid credit scene that it just is kind of the cherry on top of an ironic cake you know, all the, the rich and wealthy people manage to escape in a pod. Um, and it's in the mid credit scene. They land on this, this new planet with a bunch of new creatures that are probably in the new Avatar film. Because <laughs> they're colourful and weird looking. Um, yeah, they land on this 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 other planet like 22,000 something years later. Um, only to really discover that these animals end up, or these creatures end up eating them. Like all of them. So it's it's such a perfect piece of irony 
Um, they didn't need to have a persecuted scene. I think the movie was more than enough in and of itself. Um, even though it should have been cut maybe 15 minutes because there was too many things that were just dragging, dragging sort of its feet too much in the sand. But um, yeah, that mid-credit scene wasn't really necessary. It's kind of funny, but um, yeah, it, it ended off really well. Um, and, and it was actually there was a song that came into the credits that really kind of sends the emotion even further. And the song is from a really good band called um, Bon Iver. Great band, like perfect kind of uh, soft, melancholic, but joyful and emotional voice or voices in Bon Iver. And it's a song that just kind of sends it home. And I'm like, oh my God, like the world is gone. And I just feel so devastated and like... It brought me to tears. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, really unexpected. I think Adam McKay did a great job. Did really, really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of his films. Um, I'd probably give this movie a 8 out of 10. Like a solid 8 out of 10. Really, really good stuff. Um, and his writer, David Sirota, I think he's also done previous movies with him as well. Um, not too sure, but um, he did a great job as well. Um, really well written cast. I, I don't think it was necessary to have all those expensive actors. You could have got away with just your main actors, such as Leo and Jennifer Lawrence, to carry this film. Um, did you need to have Meryl Streep as US President? No. Um, but she probably put her hand up so that she could kind of talk shit about like the previous president, I suppose, because <laughs> a lot of them uh, are very much like anti-Trump. And I think... The whole president and the son dynamic in this film was a a rip towards uh, Donald Trump and his son, Donald Trump Jr. or whatever. Um, so it's like I, I think some people will probably think of this movie as Leo's environmental uh, speech or... Um, you know, um, educational mouthpiece for the world because because uh, a lot of people know that Leo is a huge environmentalist and huge on global warming, but it's actually not really about that. Um, even if he has the intention to say, "Hey, this is my um, this is my metaf- metaphor of a film for global warming," because I'm all about global warming and blah blah blah. Um, even if that was his intention, I don't think that Adam McKay and David Schroeder wrote and directed the film in that sense. And to me, I interpreted this film more as about there are real life events or there's a real life event happening and how the public deals with this information is an expression of how we all deal with it slightly different because we want to be detached from reality. We want to be detached from um, facts. You know, that's why we we find ourselves so obsessed with our phones, so obsessed with computers and so obsessed with like social media um, and this is what this film does the best, is that it really takes all of the technological elements and innovations, such as mobile phones, social media, and tech, and shows us that, or holds a mirror up to us and says, hey, this is how our world is right now. And this is how our world is obsessed with this type of culture. And the moment that we start to realize and have or a complete revelation on a global event such as a comet hitting earth it's almost too late to look up 
And with that being said, I'm going to bring this review to an end. Like I said, I give this a solid 8 out of 10. Highly recommend it. It's got heart, it's got comedy, it's got very likable characters with some very real stakes. If this is your first time here, make sure you hit the notifications button so you know when the next episode drops. I'm on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And for Legit Cool, I'm Rivervilli. Yeah.